This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. Thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate you taking the time while you're at the gym, driving, taking the dog for a walk, whatever it is, joining us today. Really appreciate that and really appreciate our guests joining us today. I'm really excited. We're talking all things virtual assistants and diving deep into the world of VAs, VRs. And so, Rachel, the founder, owner of Just In Time Virtual Assistance is with us. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. How are Thanks, you? Thanks, Jack. Yeah, really good. Thank you. That is good. Where in the world are you joining us from today? So I'm up in Redcliffe, which is near Brisbane, and it's a bit of a rainy morning this morning, so I'm hoping it's not going to thunder really loud mm. in the middle. But yeah. Um, yeah, normally a beautiful part of the world. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to unpack all things virtual reception, virtual assistant. Before we do, got a couple of standard questions for you. Are you ready? Go for it. All right. Number one, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm reading a novel. I read lots of novels. I love to read just for pleasure. And I'm also reading a yoga textbook at the moment. I'm also um, training to be a yoga teacher. Nice. Which novel? Reading something called Magical Lessons, which is by the same author of Practical Magic, which people may know. It was also a movie. Okay. Number two, who inspires you? A lot of people inspire me, but I think in business, I get really inspired by passionate business owners and I work a lot with women. So not only women, but I mean, I do work a lot with women. My mentor that helped me set up my business is someone that I really admire. It's Liz Parker from One to One Temps. And I also work with a group of women that we used to all work together physically, but now we all have our own business and we get together sort of once a month and we, we just support each other in business, in our own individual businesses. So yeah, they really inspire me as well. That's cool. I like that. Number three, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I used to be a physiotherapist and we'll get onto that at some point, but I did want to be a physio from quite young, probably about my early teens. My mum was a physio. My dad was a dentist. And so medicine sort of ran in our family. And yeah, it was something that I was interested in from fairly early on. So you're interested in the physio, not so much the dentistry? I wasn't ever interested in being a dentist, no, but the, their pay packet is certainly very nice. Ooh, that's very <laughs> definitely. Uh, finally, what's a motto that you like to live by? I think that I like to live by nothing is ever complete. Things can always be a little bit better. We can always get a little bit more out of a situation, a relationship, a business, life in general. So I'm always looking for that, that little bit more across all of those things. I like that. A previous guest we just had on a couple episodes ago, Dr. Dan Pronk, who is uh, an SAS doctor. He's actually on the TV show, SAS. He said there's a poem called Always a Little Further. Yeah. And that that really resonates. Okay. Thank you for answering those. So connect the dots for us from little Rach who wanted to be a physio Mm -hmm. through to you were, you are, were a physio. Tell us about that. I was. Yeah, I was. I studied at UQ and I was a physio for around about 10 years and I did a lot of traveling with physio, worked overseas, worked in England and locumed and traveled. I also worked in Australia. I started off working in Bundaberg. I worked there for a year. I worked in Brisbane hospitals as well. I've worked in some Brisbane private practices. And along the way there, sort of traveling, I met my husband and that led to me going and and living in the Netherlands. 
And um, so I lived there for a year, then we came back here for a year, and then eventually we lived in Holland for 10 years. Yeah. And when I lived in Holland, uh, that was when I, I sort of let go of, of being a physio. So I was on the path to getting my registration overseas. Mm. But a couple of things kind of tripped me up, and I ended up working for Nike when I was in Holland the first time, and I got a job back with them again. And Nike are an amazing company to work for. They invest a lot in their staff and a lot in the training of their staff as well. So I really took that and, and ran with it. And I ended up working with Nike for about nine years. I had a variety of roles there. Yeah, it was a really great opportunity to get involved in some different kinds of work. I did some communication work. I did a lot of process improvement sort of stuff. And I'm that kind of person who likes things to be really organized. I like ticking boxes. Sure. I like getting tasks done. And so that really kind of appealed to me. When we came back to Australia, obviously, it felt a little bit different being back in Australia and not being a physio because that's what I'd always done right. when I lived here. But I mean, it was kind of beyond the point of going back to it without studying again, which I decided I didn't really want to do. <laughs> so I started working with health businesses again, but on the administrative side. And I worked in a business and I was their practice manager for a little while. And I worked with the admin staff, which was great. But at a certain point, I realized that I wasn't necessarily doing all of the things that I wanted to do. And that's when I found my mentor, Liz, who encouraged me to start my own business. And so really starting just in time was about me trying to pull together all of those parts of my past professional history. So like, the, you know, the physio and all the things I'd learned with communication and process stuff, working at Nike, just started putting them to in, in a package of services that I felt that I could offer. And I did that part-time for a few years and I went full-time, I think it was around 2018. So I did it part-time for about four years and since 2018, I've been full-time in my own business. Yeah, right. I guess that's a really unique perspective that you bring having been a physio and a practice manager to now the virtual admin side, yeah? Yeah, so it's it's a really it's really nice because I can understand the challenges that you know the business owners have, and I recognise you know a lot of the programs that use. I recognise a lot of you know the issues that they face. So it's nice to be able to draw on all of those past experiences to be able to help people to hopefully move their businesses ahead. Do you miss seeing patients? Uh, yes and no. I miss that contact with people because, I mean, I do work by myself. So that's something that I, I suppose I look for with other things that I do and including the, the yoga teaching that I yeah. mentioned and just keeping involved with other business owners. So my mentoring group that I mentioned as well. And I'm also involved with some other VAs. You know, we, we have a group where we get together and talk about our businesses and also try and improve our own businesses as well. Yeah. So, yeah, in a way I do. I don't miss the stresses and strains of it. But I miss, I suppose, being able to bend my brain in that way, you know, that knowledge that I had that I maybe don't use anymore. Okay, interesting. For the uninitiated, can you perhaps unpack what a virtual assistant or virtual reception does? Perhaps that's a foreign concept to uh, to some people. So can you yeah, maybe sure. come up? 
I think people are becoming much more familiar with it now. I mean, the whole situation that we've just been in with COVID and people working from home, I think people now are far more comfortable with the idea that someone's working in your business, working for your business, but not physically sitting in your business. And that's really, I suppose, what it is. It's just I'm working on people's businesses, doing tasks for them, but I'm remote from their business. So the way that we communicate is then different. I mean, it's not face-to-face, so it would be either phone or, you know, a lot more Zoom these days through uh, things like Slack or Skype or, you know, email can be any of those things, task sharing through different platforms that people may have heard of like Trello, Asana, Slack, Mm. or those kind of things as well, Mm. ClickUp. So it's a different way. I think the the real benefit of working with a virtual professional is that you you're paying for a result potentially mm-hmm. more than paying for time. So, I mean, if you're paying for an admin to come and sit physically in your business, they may not be continuously busy in the time that they're working for you. Sure. But whereas with a, you know, a virtual assistant, they only are going to charge you for the time that they're actually busy with mm. your business. And that's, virtual res- that's, that's an interesting, sorry to interrupt, an interesting shift or mindset for business owners to think through. Typically, we're used to paying for time. You, someone sits yep. there and you're paying them 25, 30 bucks an hour or a clinic. Yep. And so paying for the outcome is a really good distinction. I like that. Yeah, I like it too. It can be a bit of a hard conversation to have with people when they're first talking to you about working with you. And it's 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 always a hard place to to start with someone to understand how much time are you going to dedicate. And I, I mean, and for me as well, I need to work out how much time I'm going to dedicate. And that is part of the, the equation. But I would much rather deliver against a result, deliver against an outcome than deliver just simply on hours. Mm-hmm. So it sometimes is the way that we work out how things work, but ultimately I think it's more satisfying to to deliver against an outcome. I like that. A lot of the tech that you mentioned, Slack, Asana, uh, yep. ClickUp is uh, is a real trendy one at the moment and I'm, I'm really enjoying testing out ClickUp. But I think a lot of clinics are using that type of an environment. So it's actually not that far removed or not that far of a step to yep. consider whether it's someone on-site or off-site that execute against those tech processes. Exactly. And I mean, a lot of practices use a combination of the two. So you may have someone physically available in the the clinic to help you with your clients, but then you have someone in the back end who's, you know, working away at those tasks that often those frontline staff just don't get the chance to do because, that you know, they have those constant interruptions of phone calls, clients coming up to the desk, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So even potentially splitting the tasks between sort of that front and back office and potentially using a virtual assistant for the back office tasks maybe a, a way that they yeah. could move forward as well. Rachel, I'd love, it's one of those taboo topics in VA land, yeah, about onshore versus offshore or, or local domestic, in our case, Australian, yep. or perhaps international virtual assistance. I, yep. I know you've got a really open-minded approach to this. Can you maybe give some advice to clinic owners who are unsure which way to go? What are perhaps the pros and cons of onshore and the pros and cons of offshore VA? I think the main thing for me, and I've worked with an offshore VA myself, and I've, you know, I've spoken to other people who have also worked with offshore VAs, often I suppose the main difficulty that you're going to have is the language barrier. And although a lot of offshore VAs speak English really well, it's not their first language. And so it tends to be that any task that you need them to do, it really has to be broken down and to be very, very specific. And they are very good at following, you know, tasks and making sure that things are done in the way that you want them to do. 
for me, when I work with a business owner, I really like to build a relationship with them and I really like to understand the way their business works so that I can potentially find a way to make things better for their business. And I think in terms of that relationship building, a local VA is a great choice. I think there can be a combination again. So you may work with a, you know, a local VA and also work with an offshore VA for certain tasks. Mm -hmm. That can be a good way of splitting tasks across the two as well. But I would definitely throw my hat in the ring for Australian VAs. I mean, I think as much as we can use local small businesses, I mean, we are all local small business owners ourselves, you know, so, you know, that support of each other. And I think that's one great thing that we can really offer to each Mm -hmm. other. So I'm, I'm really pro that as well. The language is not something to be missed. Um, I, I agree. I'm, I'm an advocate for offshore VAs for certain tasks, but mm. certainly the, not just the English and the Australian English, but it's certainly in your case, the health language, the language of anatomy, not just an anatomical language, but yep. Medicare and NDIS and some of these yep. frameworks are uniquely, Austra- in our case, Australian health specific. That's, That's true. a huge thing, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, And knowing how to navigate those systems and navigate them in a way that's going to mean that you understand how you're putting the information through and, and hopefully getting the result back that you want is mm. really important as well. Yeah, yeah I think con- context is such a key, right? When it comes to hiring any team members or staff, employees, assistant, contractor, whatever that might be, yep. context. And so, you know, certainly in your case, having a health background, worked in a, in private practice environments and working with a number of other Australian private practices yep. is, um, is absolutely huge. Tell us, I'm interested, Rach, what are some common mistakes that you see from clinics when engaging virtual help? So the time-based thing is one thing. So being sort of attached to a certain amount of time that you want people to be available to you, that happens quite a lot. So, I mean, I have conversations with people and they say, oh, you know, I really need someone between 9 and 11 every day. And that's just simply not the way that I work. If I were to divvy up my time that way, I would have none left. And I would just find that I I don't think I would get anything done. So that's not something that I guarantee anyone. I think being a little bit more open-minded about how things can potentially work, not being necessarily 100% attached to the way that you do things now. I think an eye on confidentiality is certainly something that's really important, especially in the Mm -hmm. health space. So I think that's something that, you know, definitely needs to be considered and needs to be understood on both sides, what the expectations are around that. They're probably the main ones. Yeah, Yeah, I think, you know, being open-minded to doing things a little bit differently. I think the other thing is whenever you start working with a VA is that you have to be prepared sometimes for things to get worse before they get better. It's like tidying up your house. You know, you clean everything out, you get everything out of your cupboards and it's a massive mess and you're like, oh my goodness, why did I start this? It's just horrible and now I want to stop. When you start working with someone who wants to know all about how you're doing things and why do you do it that way and could, you know, like, and then you do this and, okay, well, how does that work? You need to really sort of dig into those things and it does take time. It does take time to start working with someone and for them to be able to start bringing value to you. So you have to be prepared, I think, for that investment of time before they take stuff off your hands. It's not going to be an immediate handoff in terms of, okay, now I've gotten rid of all of this work and they can just take it away from me and it's going to be sweet straight away. There is a time investment first before you start to see that relief come through. Good point. It's a long, longish term commitment, right? You can't expect yeah. instant results in in month one. What are some of the things that you that 
virtual a virtual team can help with. Perhaps again, if if clinician and uh, clinic owners are trying to think through, what could I get a VA to do? Yep. What are some of those types of processes? I think an easy way to think about it is just to think about how the customer comes in and moves through your business. So, I mean, in terms of attracting someone to your business, so it may be that you want someone to help you with social media, maybe someone to help you with advertising. Once someone's come into your business, how do you onboard them? So what sort of forms do they get sent? How are they communicated with? Are they set a particular expectation for when they come into your clinic? How does that work? Once they come into your clinic, how does the bookings work? How does the invoicing work? Um, if the invoice isn't paid straight away, how do we follow it up? You know, and then there's all the back-end diary management, inbox management, financial management that mm. potentially the VA could be involved with. Then there's other parts of communication to third parties. So in terms of perhaps drafting templates for doctor's letters or being responsible for keeping data in the back end. So, you know, uploading files, making sure that all of that is is there available for the therapist when they go to see the client. Then once the, you know, the, the client leaves the practice, do we continue to con- uh, communicate with them? Do we send them a mm-hmm. newsletter? Do we Endless. follow up with them? You know, so that sort of that customer journey has a lot of different parts to it and a lot of parts that you can sort of dive into and really look at what are we doing in this particular area? How are we helping? Who is responsible for this part? If we're not doing this, why not? Could we? That's one way of looking through your current processes and determining where someone could potentially help you. That's really exciting. Thank you for unpacking some of those opportunities. Uh, Again, I think sometimes we get stuck in our box typically. Clinic owners can think a little bit traditionally or or linearly, and we sometimes need to just step back a little bit and re-examine our clinic. I I know of a couple of clinics that have zero face-to-face admin team members. It's a completely virtual team and, like you mentioned, a hybrid onshore, offshore, and it works super well. But it yeah. takes work to make it, it work well, right? And I think you also have to set that expectation with your client. So, I mean, they have to understand that that's the way your clinic works. So, if they call, they might not get someone on the phone straight away. But if they email, you can set them the expectation that within a day, hopefully, or whatever your time, you know, your KPI may be, that they'll get a response. And I think people are more and more used to that. Whether everybody likes it or not is another thing. And certainly, some people will never like that. And that's something that, you know, you just have to accept. But I think people are getting far more used to it and it's, you know, it's becoming more common and Mm, people understand that that's the way it can work. I'm interested personally, you're a clinician at heart that has now changed career and, you know, I guess the reality these days is that therapists are not always going to be 20, 30, 40-year therapists. So what what I'm interested in for you is uh, what are the perks of working virtually? Is there any amazing places that you've been able to work around Australia or the world? Or what do, what do you love most about virtual work? I haven't really tried to work overseas. I would love to. And maybe when my kids are off my hands, I might try that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that's not true. I, my husband is Dutch, obviously. And so we did go back to Holland about five years ago and I did do some work from over there. That's, and that a, that's was, a tough time zone switch. <laughs> that's a really tough time zone switch. Um, but it can work for or against you. I mean, you know, your VA can be working while you sleep. That's pretty nice. Right. You know, you wake up in the morning and your your work's done, kind of like the elves at Christmas time. <laughs> so, I mean, I did do that and 
and it, it was successful for the, you know, the portion of work that I decided to do that for. I think for me, the best thing is that I can I can stop and start when I like. I can, you know, it's it's that working from home. And I think a lot of a lot of people have gotten to experience that recently, haven't they, in terms of you know, you can shop when you need to, you can wash when you need to, you can pick your kids up if, they, if they're sick. Those kind of things that come from working from home, I get to kind of determine the balance of things that I do. So, I mean, if I have a whole raft of tasks to do for a day, I can pick and choose how I organise that for myself. So, I can eat the frog first thing in the morning, get the thing done that I, I want to do least, and then the day is a bit better. I can go out and teach a yoga class, which I do, and come back. So, yeah, they're probably the main things that have been really beneficial. That's great. You know, the, the reason I ask and for clinic owners wondering, a lot of us are transitioning off the tools or perhaps out of being a full-time therapist into a full-time business owner. And yep. that's a shift. That's a transition that we need to uh, recognize and, and try and leverage for, for best. You mentioned working from home with a lot of clinic owners now working from home in a post-COVID type world. Any tips, tricks, hacks on uh, maintaining the focus at home? It's not always easy. I think definitely there's a discipline around it, like anything. I think setting yourself work hours is a good thing to do. I mean, mm-hmm. the flexibility is great, but structure tends to fall in better with discipline. It does for me anyway. So I try and have a start time and I try and have a finish time. I have certain things that I do when I start. I have certain things that I do when I finish to sort of try and bracket the day and allow me to sort of close off at the end of the day. I mean, obviously your office is in your home, so you do need to physically and mentally step away from it. Otherwise, it does tend to, you know, stay ticking over in the background. That's not necessarily what we want. I mean, a downtime should be true downtime, I think. So I think that's really important. So setting those boundaries for yourself. And also, I think sometimes when we start to procrastinate, when we start to spin our wheels and maybe we're putting a second load of laundry on and having a third cup of tea for the day, sometimes you need to lean into that. Like if it's just not your day and you're not finding it, your brain is not where it's supposed to be, sometimes you just need to give yourself that time and just Mm. sit down, think about, okay, you know, why is this not working for me? Do I need to go for a walk, clear my head, come back? Mm. Do I need to leave this, do something else? So sometimes I think our body's telling us something that we should just listen to rather than just pushing through and just saying, no, I am at work and I will be working now. You know, that's that's not always the solution that's going to work the best. Yeah, sure. I reckon that's really insightful. Thank you for sharing. Hey, uh, if you had any parting words of wisdom or advice for the clinic owners listening in, what would you say? I think for me, as I said, you know, that process improvement thing is is sort of where I always come back to. Can I be doing this a little bit better? Why am I doing this? You know, questioning yourself. Sometimes I think we're just so busy doing stuff and, you know, what are we actually doing? Why are we actually doing it? What's the purpose? What am I getting out of it? That ability to question yourself and to, to look for perhaps other solutions as well, not putting our time and effort into things that aren't moving us forward, um, being prepared to let some things go looking for those things that are really, you know, that bang for your buck, basically. Mm-hmm. So the things that are really going to move your business forward, that the things that you can do, I mean, we can all do everything. You know, we can all do it all. We can all fix our tap at home. We can paint our walls, you know, we can mow our grass, you know, like mm-hmm. you can do your own administration. If you're a business owner, of course you can. But I think it's then looking at where is your time best spent because time is obviously our most limited resource. And once we give it away, we don't get it back. So where is your time best spent? And are you doing the things that 
that really fit in your wheelhouse. And if you're doing things that don't, then maybe it's time to look for another solution. Sage. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, if clinical owners wanted to uh, get in touch with you or, or check you out, what's yep. the best way for them to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm online, I'm just in time, virtualassistant.com. It's a horrible long name. If I could go back, maybe I would change it. <laughs> but that's where I am. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm Rachel Duell as well. So yeah, I'd be more than happy if anyone wanted to connect with me, if they wanted to have a chat. Obviously, I'm just one person. Person and I don't do everything, but I am involved with a lot of other VAs and I know a lot of other VAs. And so, I mean, if something is not something I can help with, then I do have, you know, other colleagues and other sources that I can put people in touch with as well to get help for their business. Perfect. We will make sure we link all that up, listeners, over in the show notes at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. So, uh, the, the long URL, all the LinkedIn <laughs> and social handles, we'll make sure we make them available. Hey, it's been a pleasure, really insightful, really thought-provoking. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Rach. Thanks, Jack. Really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you for joining us. As always, if you feel like heading over and leaving us a review or rating, please do so. Or you can get in touch with us at clinicmastery.com slash podcast for, again, any of these show notes. Or if you need help to grow your clinic, you know where to find us. I can't wait to bring you another episode of the podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.